Hi, I'm Andrew, and this is Keen on Democracy. A chill is enveloping the world. Everywhere I go these days, the conversation is the same. Everyone is fearful about the fate of democracy in our digital age. The same worried question is on all of our lips. What or who is killing democracy? Everybody wants to know. There's certainly no lack of suspects. Trump, Putin's trolls, Mark Zuckerberg, authoritarian populism, the wall, Victor Urban, fake news, Brexit, Bolsonaro, surveillance capitalism, Erdogan, Twitter, or last but certainly not least, the president of the People's Republic of China, Xi Jinping. So what's up with democracy these days? Is it really dying? Or is it simply shedding its industrial analog skin and updating itself for our networked digital age? That's the subject of this podcast series. This is a show featuring conversations about the most important issue of our age with some of the world's most incisive thinkers. I hope it both provokes and enlightens. Jarrett Kobeck is the author of a new novel, Only Americans Burn in Hell. Many of you will know him from his first hit novel, I Hate the Internet. I, I, uh, before I switched on the recorder here, I asked him uh, for a description of himself. He said, a Californian writer with a very difficult relationship with the publishing business. Uh, so, Jared, if you were inter- interviewing yourself, where would you begin on this book, Only Americans Burn in Hell? Uh, I might ask myself what the hell it's about. Um, most people that I've done interviews with have no idea how to talk about it which may not be good for its long-term health but it's a you know it's a complicated book uh that can be described simply but i don't know if anyone has figured out how to do that yet you if you don't then who does oh no i know how to do it okay well go on then tell me tell me in simple language what the book's about it's uh, on the surface, it's a, it's a, uh, it's about a writer trying to write a fantasy novel while having a nervous breakdown. Uh, in general terms, it's about how do you have a public opinion or any kind of critique of the world that we live in when the entire uh, apparatus of public expression are owned by the very people you're trying to critique. But you just told me uh, that um, this the book that's published, the publishing house that's uh, that publishes uh, Ameri- uh, Ameri- only Americans burn in hell is owned by you. Yeah, but I still, you know, I, I mean, but f- I can own that publishing house. I can put a book <laughs> out, but <laughs> to try and do anything with it, to try to get any kind of traction for it, I have to engage with even if it's not voluntary i have to it cannot succeed unless it somehow manages to filter its way through uh the dominant mechanisms of public expression which are owned by the very people that the book is making fun of and if it does filter its way through that it just makes them money in the end anyway and uh, what's your opinion then of Literary Hub? Is it part of uh, the, the evil establishment or is it the solution or a bit of both? Uh, maybe a little bit of both. My, my impression about websites like Lit Hub is that there, it is a good that they exist. Uh, 
but you know you can look at the content and see the relation the symbiotic relationship that it has with major publishers right and you know sadly those are the people who call the shots in the end right like as much coverage as you want to give to an independent book you know when harper collins comes calling uh you if you want to be in the game you have to talk about what harper collins is publishing did you pitch this book to harper collins or uh penguin or random house i think we pitched it to everyone except harper collins because the one rule that i have (laughs) about this stuff is i won't send material to things owned by rupert murdoch Mm. uh yeah i mean we pitched we sent it to penguin and i mean they they rejected it but that's pro- more than anything that's probably because of the failure of the future won't be long and then you know within five pages of the book w- within the first five pages or so the book denounces them as uh nazi collaborators so that's probably not the best sales strategy but do you think that yeah i read that is that isn't that a bit childish? I mean, you know, it's like saying, well, I'm not going to drive a Mercedes or a Volkswagen because they were all Nazi collaborators. Uh, yeah, it's incredibly childish. It's still true. In uh, in one of the things I read about you, you quote your father, uh, or you quote a conversation with your father. You said, one time my father gave me some advice. Kid, he said, if you're going to kill yourself, don't be selfish. Leave a note. <laughs> Um, and, uh, in the spirit of, uh, these words, I don't know if it's you or your publisher saying this, but they're the same thing. I'm delighted that Serpent's Tale is publishing a book that will both cause and be, be the cause and the explanation of my career suicide. So before we talk about the suicide, what's the career? Well, the career is, uh, that of surprisingly uh, a writer who has managed to make a living out of it um not at the beginning but for the last four years i have lived exclusively as a professional writer um and it existed but i think the 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 failure of the future won't be long which was my previous book published by penguin random house uh the nazis right yeah it really it really put it on life support um and then i decided you know when i was writing this book there was this thought which is like even if this succeeds even if this somehow gets me back into the good graces of mainstream publishing i'm still going to be in i all i can get back to is the place where i was where that book came out and that was not a great place to be so if if it's going to be this thing if it's going to be like this fight back in which i don't even really want to do i might as well go out with a bang i might as well actually talk about the things that no one in publishing ever talks about because publishing is like drug dealing everything is about setting every deal is set up to set the next deal up um, and so there's lots of silence around what publishing is actually like. Can you be a bit more specific in terms of um, the last four years? You said you've 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 lived as an independent writer. 
there'll be people listening to this who fancy themselves as independent writers. How much money do you think you need to survive as an independent writer, or how much have you been making through your books? Uh, I can tell you, I can give you an exact number um, up until maybe this year, because I haven't really done my taxes yet. Uh, but for the first, say for the first 20 to 24 months following the the uh, release of I Hate the Internet, I pulled in about $200,000, $250,000. And I live really simply other than... Through the book, through, yeah, through, through I Hate the Internet. Through I Hate the Internet. I mean, it's been translated into many languages. Um, I sold the TV rights for the book. Um, and then I also got a pretty sizable advance for the future won't be long. Um, but, you know, I also, I, I could still be living off that money if I didn't live in Los Angeles, right? Like, the big extravagance in my life is that I live in a city that at one point was not that expensive, and then in the last couple of years has gotten really expensive. Well, let's talk about the book. Um, your introduction, uh, you, 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 you write about a moment... Um, you you even you're very specific you said it happened at about 6 a.m greenwich mean time uh in london um when you woke up and you became conscious of a new world a hyper real world yeah. a hyper hyper real world what happened donald trump won the election and uh i had been you know in my liberal bubble I had been the guy who was saying Trump is going to win this thing. And everyone was like, you're fucking insane. You're not going to win this. He's not going to win. And I was like, I think he's going to win. And so then when he did win, I was in England promoting the UK release of uh, I hate the internet. And I, the way that I found out the way that I woke up is that everyone was just texting me relentlessly about the fact that he had won. Um, and I think it did. I think it created, I mean, it's obvious that it did. It created a new paradigm in which all of this stuff had to, and by all of this stuff, I mean, all our basic, the basic structure of our lives, but also specifically publishing, uh, had to try to sort of figure out what the new rules of the game were. And I didn't know what they were. You know, um, and I think that really did lead in a lot of ways to the failure of the future won't be long. But what, wh how and why is the publishing industry being so affected by the election of Trump? Uh, I think the publishing industry is run primarily by uh, people who are in political opposition to Trump. I mean, there's certainly conservative imprints at all of the major publishers, but the truth of it is, I'm not a conservative writer. I am, you know, I was trying to put myself into the position of a literary writer, which requires being, you know, what I am ultimately, which is someone who holds liberal positions. I mean, you could feel the gloom descend on it. And then even further in, in, into the question that you're asking, um, it, 
suddenly we were presented with this new reality, this new way of being where you have a president tweeting about himself being a genius every other day. You have a president who is is espousing directly or indirectly really the public thoughts and public opinions that had uh, never really emerged from, at least in public, a president. And it just created the situation where publishing is a slow-moving business. How do you respond to that? And how do you even understand what it is if you are in kind of denial about what's happened? And I think the, I think the response has been, there's been a couple of very successful books about Trump. Um, but if you're not writing about Trump, you know, where does that, where does that take you? What do you do? How does a literary novel that's functioning on all of the rules that were there, which were not really stated, but were there um, prior to this moment now function in this new moment, you know, is, is the writing of literary fiction uh, a parlor game for the upper middle class and maybe it is but what happens when that upper middle class completely freaks out in response to a public event outside of that relatively small ecosystem why is it different though from the election of reagan or bush or even clinton i mean okay Ray, uh, trump's even more stupid and um even more lives in 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 this world of hyper reality but in fundamental sense he's not that different from reagan is he i mean i think reagan was worse than trump you know if you well leaving aside good or bad i'm talking about sort of the the concept you're talking about but firstly in terms of his relationship with media Mm -hmm. uh and the ability to sort of transform what we call reality into uh, or, or, or fiction into reality, and, and secondly, the response of the liberal establishment. I mean, uh, it doesn't seem to be that different, is it? I think we live in a world that is mediated to a degree that would have been unthinkable even under George Bush, right? There is a kind of, something about the internet has really, really changed it. And Trump is the internet he is you know he functions on the rules of a very new paradigm um but i also think part of that part if you're asking about why publishing and i I, you may not be i may have misunderstood the question if you're if you're asking like why could publishing successfully respond to something like reagan and maybe cannot successfully respond to something like trump I would suggest that it's also happened in a moment where publishing has consolidated to a degree that was unfathomable under Reagan, right? If you have five giant monolithic uh, entities through which this material can be pushed, um, I don't think I don't think giant monolithic entities are particularly good at a fluid response to a new situation. But isn't your critique broader than just of publishing? I mean, publishing is a small industry. Yeah, of course. Populated by fairly, in my view, anyway, usually pretty incompetent people (laughs) who who couldn't really succeed in many things. Um, Your your critique is of academia. Mm -hmm. It's of obviously of America, of the state of liberal 
sensibility and insensibility. So, so, so broaden, broaden your 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 critique. It's it's more than just an attack on publishing and on the failure of publishing to make sense of Trump. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, I think the book uses publishing as a way in to that critique because it is a book and because I am a writer and because I did have this massive failure of a previous novel. It's it's the way to get into it. But I, I think it's I think it, you know, yeah, you're absolutely right. I the book is not concerned solely with publishing. It's concerned with the moment that we find ourselves in. Um, it's concerned with you know, publishing is not the only industry where massive consolidation has happened. It's not the only place where a really small amount of people control how the dialogue functions or what what can be put into the dialogue. You know, you if you want to work, you uh, and you have anything to do with public opinion or you have anything to do with uh, just existing in this kind of rarefied ecosystem or if you're just a normal person who is on social media you are you know whatever you say whatever you express is being pushed through very very small um or very not small i'm sorry it's being pushed through a very small number of of places where you can even exist and i think it's gotten us into whatever this situation is at present do you think you're a little bit envious of trump in the sense that you seem to be to have a sort of acute sensibility about your failure at least as a writer and he's someone clearly who has no <laughs> sense of, of 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 the idea of failure it's inconceivable and impossible for a guy like that to actually think in those terms uh i'm not envious of it i mean i think the funniest thing but i think i think only put it this way only americans burn in hell would have been an impossible book to do if the last book had succeeded right and like this uh, that's where i think trump is in some ways the most american americans hate talking about failure the idea of failure is some giant taboo right and one of the one of the things that i think I mean, put it this way, how many other books by an American writer have you ever seen reveling in the total failure of their previous book? You know, I like failure. I find it I find it as interesting, if not more interesting, than uh, a success. You know? Well, Silicon Valley has turned failure into a kind of cult. Yeah, but they've turned it into a cult of how do you fail so that you learn how to succeed. I don't think that's what this is. I'm not, you know, it's not a joke to say that this book is kind of a suicide note for for me as a writer. Like it's not. Explain then the connection between this book and the failure of the last book. Is it is it just that you couldn't get a deal with a big publisher so you could write anything you wanted or is there something in the book that reflects the experience of failing so dramatically? Um, I think it's definitely the first part, and I think it's a, it's certainly the second as well, which is like, when you are a failure, when you have fucked up, you, 
it gives you a very different perspective on everything that's led to that failure. Nothing, no failure, no one just sort of fails, right? Like if the, the, the book is the visible failure. The series of decisions that led up to the book are the, you know, are invisible, but they were all there. They all happened. And yeah, I mean, I think it is a, I think it's a deeper meditation on failure, but you're also right. You know, there is a surface uh, approach to it of just being like, well, it doesn't really matter at this point. You know, like I'm out of the drug dealing game. I'm not going to get that deal. Let me just do what I probably should have been doing in the first place. So what is the book doing that people haven't done before in terms of making sense of our world? How are you, how are you providing people with um, uh, sort of an interesting or, or original insight into the nature of contemporary America? Why should people read the book? Well, I, I mean, people can decide if it succeeds or if it fails on these terms, but I do think that the book... I think the book is an attempt to capture the moment and maybe the moment has already passed. I mean, that's always the danger with the problem of publishing, but to capture what it's like to exist in the constant interruption of 2018 or 2019, the, the, the sense that everything you're doing doesn't matter because the president could go shit on the White House lawn tomorrow, or people could have, or, or you know, and that's the most extreme example, but there's millions that are happening constantly. Uh, and it's attempt to really sort of capture the experience of being in that and what it is like to experience it. Like I said, who knows if I succeeded, but it was a try. Who are your literary influences for, for this book? Um, are there people who you're trying to emulate or, 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 or sort of enrich the, 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 their tradition, their form of writing, their kind of polemic, their satire? Um, I, I would say that the obvious influence, which is really kind of self-conscious, is Vonnegut. Um, mm. I Hate the Internet does not strike me as a particularly... Vonnegut book, but when it came out, um, you know, if you look at the reviews of that book, Vonnegut is the name that is conscious, constantly mentioned. Uh, so I decided I would actually try to do a Vonnegut book as opposed to, you know, if, it, if the, if the label was going to get stuck on me, fine, let's actually do this. Um, because I, I think the, the thought that I came to is that all of all of the things that we think about as being what makes a novel which are like plot and characters and what whatever all of that is just technique what actually animates a book is the authorial point of view um and people get hung up on all of that other stuff and the reason why i got those comparisons to vonnegut is because i hate the internet you know arguably has no plot and is interested in being funny and the characters are really poorly drawn. Uh, so I decided I would bear down on it, but the book I think it actually resembles the most is, um, Celine's last novel, Rigadoon, 
which is part of this trilogy that he wrote where the first two books are very novelistic in his style and they're just this sort of thinly veiled autobiography about him trying to escape the allies as he runs across europe at, at the end of the the you know in like may uh 1945 the last book i think he wrote when he was dying and he's still trying to do that but it's constantly interrupted by whatever's happening to him in that moment because i think he understood that he was on his way out and it just didn't matter so you can have these asides about you know him being upset about some article that was written about him in the press i i think that's probably the book it's closest to you say at one point in the i think it was in the introduction that you're not a good writer were you being serious uh, I'm trying not to be. I can I can be a good writer. I, I don't I really wanted to try and stay away in this book and also in I hate the internet, but I think I probably went a little too far in that because that book is about a third too long. Um, can you write a book that is readable and compelling and all of the things that we think constitute good writing? without relying upon the century of uh, flotsam and jetsam that is actually just the technique of good writing. So if, if, if you believe that that stuff is good writing, then no, I'm a horrible writer. You know, like I, I'm consciously trying not to do any of that at, at any cost. But why say it? I mean, uh, is is there some uh, is it is it is it a a challenge to to the big publishers, to the traditional publishing industry, to networks and platforms like LitHub and the people listening to this to say that I'm a bad writer, but I've written a an important book because you must think it's important, otherwise you wouldn't have bothered to write it. Well, I need something to do, like anyone. Right. <laughs> um. <sighs> I think one of the things about the current moment, which I find the most unpleasant, is the certitude with which opinion and ideas are offered. So no one, you know, because I'm as full of shit as anyone, right? Like, there is no question I am as full of shit as, as anyone who's crazy enough to offer a public opinion in 2019. But... I I really, really try to stay away from the certitude that because this is coming from me, uh, it must inherently be right. You know, I think no one gets more shit in the book than I do. And I, I think it's really important. I think it's something that has been lost, which is this idea that you can offer thoughts or opinions or whatever, and maybe you're wrong. You know, it's possible I'm wrong about absolutely everything. Uh, and I would much rather have that be part of the fabric of the book because it makes it more interesting, right? I, I mean, people are going to have reactions to the book no matter what. Why not try and incorporate those reactions into the body of the text? What other more political writers do you admire? Um, 
in terms of challenging political conventions. Um, I I like Adolf Reed a lot. I I don't know if he's necessarily a good writer. Um, I find his work can often be really hard to follow, but the actual thought in it is kind of amazing. My favorite writer working in America is this guy, Byron Crawford, who is a leftist that mostly writes about hip hop um, and who works in this factory in St. Louis taping boxes, but is consistently putting out really interesting books. I mean, he also does stuff online, which can be funny, but isn't as cogent. Um, He did a book called No Country for Black Men that came out in 2015 that I think is really phenomenal. Um, And if there's, you know, he's the guy I would point to. He's the guy I always point to because I don't think anyone is reading him. He self-publishes his own work all through Amazon print on demand. Um, And I find that body of work to be just about the most compelling American thought of the last five years, you know, and he's a guy who publishing would never touch ever because he's so, you know, he has the political sensibilities of a leftist, but he writes about, he writes in a language that is that of a guy who started writing about hip hop for, you know, 15 years ago. And has been really unrepentant about trying to clean it up or trying to change it uh, in any way. But, you know, and I think this has led to a kind of profound marginalization for him. I mean, if, if, if we lived in a just world, he would be published in a absolutely major way. I mean, I thought about approaching him to publish him on my press and, the the realization that I came to is like, I can't offer him a better deal than the deal that he has printing through Amazon print on demand. Cause he makes like three, four, $5 off of every sale, which, you know, as you know, is not what happens if, if you go the traditional route. Doesn't that contradict your argument in I hate the internet that these platforms are so deeply exploitative? I mean, you're suggesting that really smart, talented writers should self-publish, should take risks, uh, shouldn't work with the big publishers, certainly shouldn't, I assume you would say, shouldn't go to writing school or participate in in anything else associated with the literary establishment. Um, What's the contradiction in there? Well, but in I Hate the Internet, you suggested that the platforms are, by definition, deeply exploitative of the creative class, and that the example you gave is of a guy who has escaped the mainstream publishing industry by self-publishing on Amazon, which probably of all the major platforms is the most uh, corrosive. Yeah, I mean, if, 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 put it this way, there is, I think it's totally appropriate to critique those things 
Um, and I think the critiques stand on their own. Amazon is terrible. I don't disagree in any way. If you want to be a writer, and there is a kind of inherent hypocrisy in that judgment, which I have made, which anyone has made who's doing it, um, you cannot do it in a way that isn't going to ultimately have a moral taint on the product and on what you're putting out. That is the nature of the world we live in. So if you have made that decision, and maybe for some people that decision doesn't involve any reflection on the inherent moral compromise of what you're doing, but if you have made that decision, you cannot be a writer and not interact with Amazon. Now, I do not sit in judgment on Byron Crawford's decision to try to make some money off of what he's doing. Uh, you know, if he went through a major publisher, he, most of his books would go through Amazon. That's just the nature of the thing. You know, arguably, we all maybe should stop writing. Uh, maybe it just should end. I don't know. That's probably the that's probably the most complete decision one could make about it. But everything in life is moral compromise. Let's end then with some predictions about the future. Your your book is, of course, extremely dark. Although it's certainly not the the first or the last book about America, which is extremely dark. Is America pretty much finished in your view? I mean, even if Trump is I don't know, run over by a bus or assassinated or voted out of office and somebody else comes to power? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, th I, th I certainly think the idea of America as the republic is gone. The thing that is fascinating to me is that there's not a huge discussion about it, but if you look at how the republic was set up, and you look at how the three branches of government were supposed to function, all of them no longer function in, the, in, in their original conception. And I mean, institutions change. That's, of course, a drift. That, that's what it is. But you have a legislative branch, which is supposed to be the most powerful entity in the country, which seemingly can do nothing you have an imperial presidency and you have a judicial branch, which has ultimately become the arbiter of, you know, the making of laws. That is not how the country functioned for a really, really long time. That has come to an end. I mean, I think Trump has, you know, I think it was a process that was already happening. I think Trump has accelerated it. Um, and, you know, the thing that I always think about and I always wonder is when did citizens of the Roman Republic know that they weren't in a republic anymore, right? Like Julius Caesar, who clearly they had no idea. Augustus, maybe by the end of the reign, certainly by the time they got to Tiberius, there must have been a sense that even though these institutions continue to exist, you know, there was a Senate the whole time. Uh, something has changed something has really really changed and so I what comes so what comes after hyper reality what comes after trump uh 
That's a very good question. I'm not sure the the answer to that. Are have we gone into a moment where because Trump is a historical moment and a historical moment will end. Have we gone into a place where the mechanisms of what what a person is who runs for president uh, or who runs for any public office or holds any public life, have they been so fundamentally altered by this historical moment that we now are just in something completely different? Or is Trump an aberration? My, my sense is that he's not an aberration. What that change looks like I can't even I, I can't even begin to speculate, but I've been really fascinated by the unsuccessful candidacy of Marianne Williamson. She seems like the wrong person who may sadly have gotten the right message. Maybe the subject for your next book. You better get writing. Yeah. Well, I wrote about her for a German newspaper a couple of months ago. So I'm thinking about it. The cult of authenticity. Yeah, something like that. 